Let's take our Bibles and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's take uh, this month and next month and possibly December's Lord's Supper time just to reevaluate together uh, the purpose as to why we're here from a very familiar text to all of us. We begin up in verse 17 of chapter 11 and read together, make a few comments, and then we'll have the opportunity to participate together. But in giving this instruction regarding the Lord's Supper, I do not praise you. The Corinthians weren't doing a particularly um, good job, if you will, at this part of their worship. Because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And then he starts to outline a few of their issues. He says in verse 18, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it. I really believe when he says, in part, I believe it, you're jumping clear back to 1 Corinthians chapter one, where they had already been divided among themselves over who was gonna baptize them. If you remember back in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, if you know your Bibles well, there were people striving to be baptized by Paul and people striving to be baptized by Peter. And, and Paul says, I didn't die for you. Christ died for you. This is, this is, this is his baptism. This is not my baptism. Uh, so those were part and parcel of some of the divisions among, among other things. But nonetheless, um, verse 18, for in which place... Uh, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you. And in part, I believe it, for there must also be factions among you. Divisions is different than factions. So that those who are approved may become evident among you. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. And one who is hungry and another is drunk. What, do you not have houses in which to eat and to drink? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this matter? And he says, I just can't. I'm not, I'm not going to praise you. So if you go back up to verse 18, obviously, we'll take the word right out of the text. There's divisions there. There's divisions. One of the reasons why we gather together uh, as a church family to, to celebrate the Lord's Supper is to remind us of unity. We are one in Christ, and anything that, that uh, tempts that unity to be division, anything that distracts that unity is to be addressed. So... The assumption is here because we're all fallen creatures that there probably will be things that all of us need to discuss and that we need to maintenance uh, regarding unity in relationship to participating in the Lord's Supper. So this means certainly you've got to look around. Uh, you've got to analyze your own heart in relationship to your relationship with Christ and then one another. The Corinthian people were not coming together many as one body unified and their fellowship with Christ and each other. And Paul says those divisions need to be talked about. They need to be talked about. As a matter of fact, if we're not willing to at least dress them and talk about them and seek to um, fix the divide, then we're probably not partaking in a worthy fashion. 
So we should probably just uh, not participate, but pray about how we're going to pursue unity. So that's verse 18. Uh, there certainly is divisions, and, and then there's, there's differences uh, in verse 19. For there must also be factions among you, so that those who are approved may become evident to all. Now, we touched on that word approved a little bit the last couple of weeks in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 10. It's the same word here. So apparently there was a remnant of people in the Corinthian church that were participating in the Lord's Supper in a worthy fashion. And he says, we've got to address the divisions and we've got to address the differences. Uh, and by the way, there's a group, a dokimos group, if you will, already in the church that's addressing these two things appropriately. So Paul uh, says that they're there among you, we can learn from them, but I'm just going to address you in a letter uh, for, for those folks' sake. And these differences were not just differences of opinion. These were, um, these were destructive uh, differences. He acknowledged the strife and the division exhibited by some. Um, and uh, that strife and that division was really... Uh, more starkly seen because he put it next to the Dokimos people. So it was clear. It was evident. Uh, these weren't people that were governed by the Spirit in their daily lives who, who um, like all of us, um, sin, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that fellowship's restored, right? These are people who, uh, by the language of the text, are intentionally not just remaining in their division and not addressing it. Uh, these are people that have differences. And the differences here, according to the context, as we'll see in the next few verses, is really on their approach to the Lord's Supper. Why are they coming? How are they participating? And there was a Dokimos group that was coming with the right reason, and they were participating the right way. And there was another group, as we've already read, that was habitually walking in sin and division. They were habitually walking in difference of opinion on their approach to the Lord's Supper. And, and Paul says, nope, we've got we to address that. And, uh, and so he does. He does. Verse 20 and verse 21. Therefore, when you meet together, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And then he says, this is your difference. This is how the non-genuine, the disgenuine approach to the Lord's Supper. For in your eating, each one takes his own supper first. Right? So there's some distraction happen here. Uh, people aren't coming to worship, they're coming to have dinner. And you say, that sounds so silly. Well, if the love feast, there was plenty of food around to eat. And if they were hungry and they didn't have to work on the Lord's Day, they were showing up early and they were just gobbling up the food and leaving nothing of the love feast for people to participate in the Lord's Supper. And when some of those, in the culture of the time, there were people that had to work on the Lord's Day, even then, when they finally were able to arrive to participate, they actually couldn't because there was nothing to eat in worship to the Lord. So the idea was there was some dokimas, some genuine people that were showing up and they actually couldn't worship and their hearts were prepared to worship. So the differences that they had in their approach caused there to be a distraction and a clamor in the church. Uh, that certainly left people unable to focus on the table, focus on the Lord of the table, uh, which we all know 
uh, from verse 24, we're commanded of the Lord Jesus to honor this table in his memory. So they had some decisions to make in verse 22. And Paul actually says, look, the decision that you need to make if you're disgenuine, your approach to the table is go home and eat dinner first. It's better for you to actually go have a grilled cheese and some tomato soup at home and not come to the love feast, to the Lord's table. In other words, it's better if the, if the, if, if the Lord's table is at 6 o'clock and you're hungry and you can't even focus on the Lord's table because you're hungry, it's better for you to go home and eat and not participate rather than to be tempted. Now, there's nothing here that's going to fill any of us up. This was the culture of the time. This is what was happening at the time. And these, and these, these times, from what we understand, were taking place in people's homes. When, when, you, when you come to a home, this is, this is quite a spread put out by you folks, especially you folks that have the gift of hospitality. And, and, and so there's a little context here. But some decisions had to be made. So uh, these first few points, and next time we get together, we'll go on into the following verses. But what we do know is the gathering was to be intentional, right? It was to be careful and cautious, and everything that was done was to make sure everything was right laterally so all could focus vertically. Because the Lamb of God that had come to take away the sin of the world was worthy to be worshipped and to be remembered. And we'll talk about the rest of that next time. Okay? That's a little bit of the why, uh, according to the context. And so let's participate at this time. Let's just take a moment and, uh, of silence. No instruments. Let's just have a moment of silence here. Uh, if you've not had the opportunity to prepare your heart to participate tonight, let's all do that uh, here for about a minute. Um, and then I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Hickson to stand and return thanks for the symbol of our Lord's broken body. All right? Let's pray together. God, our sin is great, and it's not okay. So much so that it was a just thing for your wrath to be poured out on it. But God, as the body of Christ, we come before you thanking you that that wrath was poured out on your Son. We deserve it. We should own it. 
but we have one who stood in our place. And so we remember what he did. We remember what your son, who was innocent, who was righteous, and who loved us, loved the world, gave himself in obedience to you, fully bearing that wrath. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. you're familiar with in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said, For I received from the Lord that which also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Amen. Pastor Hobie, would you stand and return thanks? Symbol of a new covenant. Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for uh, the table. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, the instruction uh, our pastor shared with us tonight about the priority of unity that it demands. Um, Lord, it is a, a period uh, in the long, often drawn-out questions of unity. And uh, we thank you, Jesus, that we have at the table a, just a powerful demonstration of how the Father strove with the Son and the Spirit to be unified with his creation. And, uh, and we come before the cup and, and we realize how costly personally it was, Lord Jesus, for you to, to die, to die violently because the sin of, uh, that kept us separated from God was so egregious and, and the justice of God was so demanding, rightly so, that required uh, you to interpose, and we're so thankful for that. And we delight in reconciliation. We delight in love. We delight in mercy, grace. We confess we're a company of people who haven't gotten what's fair. Uh, Lord Jesus, we're thankful for that. We don't want what's fair. Uh, we want mercy and grace, and we find it here at the table. As the pastor mentioned, we pray you'd protect us from divisions. pray you'd protect us from factions. Uh, we pray that even tonight as we investigate our own hearts, that we would be disposed to love, to be disposed to uh, what the cross ultimately teaches us about that. Help us to strive after that so hard and, uh, and to see you delight in us because you've given us that ability because of what the table represents. And so, Lord, all these things, we gather them up. There's so much here. Help us to be unified. Uh, we thank you for it. Bless now as we partake. And gratitude, Lord, is, uh, is a word we use here, thankfulness, but it is just pales in reality. Uh, and so we, we just simply say thank you. And we love you so much. We want you to be pleased with us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Verse 25, Paul writes, In the same way he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in a remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that is afforded to us because of the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the offer of forgiveness that the Lord Jesus gave to those who crucified him. When he said, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Lord, help us to remember the heart of our Savior and the hour of his agony as he continued to sow mercy to those who were still lost and needed to know his purpose and what they were actually watching. I pray, Lord, as they, those that don't know the Lord Jesus interface with us in the course of our week, as we said this morning, as we seek to build those sweet, necessary, redemptive relationships with those who are created in their image, may they see the influence of a crucified and resurrected and ascended Lord Jesus in our own lives. May they understand the forgiveness that's been afforded to us because of the cross. May they know us well enough and may we know them well enough where they inquire of the peace and the joy that we do have. Thank you again for, for this opportunity to to worship in this fashion, to publicly remember back to to the atonement of our Savior in Jesus' name. Amen.